Well, it's so great uh, to have you guys here as we pass the, the buckets for the plastic garbage. That's a new, like, weird kind of tradition. I like somebody put their coffee cup in there. I like it. Yes, very good. Sometimes I feel like our ushers, there we go. Sometimes I feel like our ushers are like uh, flight attendants, right? We're going to come down the aisles. Everyone stay in your seats, right? Can I order a Diet Coke? Is, that, is it too late for that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, uh, I sorry, I'm sorry if I missed you uh, in the office this week. I was, uh, I was predisposed. I was working on, on a project uh, for a family that I love very much in this church. I, I'm still sore physically from, from doing it. Uh, it was hard manual labor, and I pray that uh, we were a blessing to you. And uh, I am more and more and more convinced that God is doing really, really cool things here. And he's called us really simply just to, to show up and say yes to whatever it is he is asking of us. I'm more and more convinced of that. I'm just excited to see everyone. Uh, we, you know, we had men that just stepped up right away and said, hey, I've got some skills. Uh, uh, let me do whatever I can to help. And, and it was great. We got the project finished. But we have more, infinitely more projects. So please sign up, serve other people, choose to bless others with whatever it is you have to bless them with. Uh, and you yourself will be blessed. We have like three people signed up. Uh, like three families to sign up to serve like next weekend at the, the family movie night. Uh, if you want to come, you want to set up, we need people to cook hot dogs and, you know, do all sorts of cool, fun stuff. So please uh, sign up to do that. That's this uh, like upcoming Saturday, like six days from now. So that would be great. Um, I mean, it's just movies. And so like if we don't have volunteers sign up, we'll still do it. It's just, you know, many hands make light work, right? Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I, I want to say uh, when we choose to bless others with whatever it is that God has blessed us with, we ourselves are blessed. And this, this is not the prosperity gospel. Do never, don't ever hear me say that. I'm not saying that if you give, if you tithe more, then God's going to give you more money. Or if you just do more work, then God, because that's, that's not the gospel. What I'm talking about is more joy, more peace, and more love than a life that's lived for selfish gain. If we live a life for other people, serving others, we'll be more full of joy and peace. We'll lose our anxiety than a, a life that is spent on our own selfish gain. Uh, okay, so we're continuing our study of the book of Philippians, and, and you'll see how that pairs with what we're going to talk about today. And I know some of you all are like, okay, it takes like 10 minutes to read this whole book and we're on week number seven. How many weeks is it going to take? But I promise it's going to be worth it. So we're going to continue the Philippians chapter two. We're going to be looking at uh, verses 18 through 30. Now, the book of Philippians, again, it's about 90% of the way through your physical Bible, if you have it. And uh, it's in the middle of a bunch of Paul's letters that he wrote to churches and, and individuals. And so if you're like, man, I see a bunch of really kind of shorter books. It's right in there, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Those aren't like people's names. Those are like towns' names where churches were. Does that make sense? Because then we get into like First and Second Timothy and Titus, and those are people, not places. And so don't be confused, but because they're letters, right? They're letters that Paul wrote. And so we, I realized that I, I should have done this like week one, uh, but now that, you know, we're in week seven, uh, I think it's important to talk about Paul's backstory. Paul is, right, he's the author of, of a majority of these letters in our, in our New Testament. So what's his backstory? Well, 
he was once a persecutor of Christians. So his job was to, to find this new, uh, what they were considering to be a cult or a different sect of Judaism that was threatening their power, that was threatening uh, their way of life, that they thought was blasphemous. And so Paul, he was seeking out these Christians to hurt them or to kill them in order to get them to stop preaching Jesus. He was there when Stephen, uh, right, our first uh, really Christian martyr, when he was killed, and he sought out more and more Christians to kill them, trying to delete the name of Jesus from the world in order to preserve Jewish power. However, on the road to Damascus, which is again another place, he was, he was going there to persecute more Christians. He was blinded. Paul was blinded by Christ. And he asked him, you know, Paul, why, why are you persecuting me? So at the time, Paul recognized the deity of Jesus. He got baptized. He changed his name from Saul to Paul and repented and apologized for his former life of Christian persecution. And he became one of the first missionaries for Jesus. And he did so. He, he did so primarily uh, in regions and territories that were ruled by the Roman government. Now, the Roman government did not like Christianity either because they threatened the power of all the governors and the principalities. In their minds, they thought, well, because if you understand Jewish history with the Roman government, uh, you know, first and second Maccabees, you know, when you read those uh, non canonical books, but they're good historical books. You, you realize that um, the Jews and the Roman government didn't get along, to say the least, right? Everyone who knows their history, are you with me, right? And so they see Christianity as a new kind of, 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 of Judaism, like a radical kind of Judaism. So again, uh, now not, it's not just the Jewish leaders, but now it's the Roman leaders who are now seeking out and persecuting the, the Christians. But uh, so this is, it's really interesting that Paul goes from being a persecutor to a persecuted almost overnight. Uh, so Paul becomes imprisoned largely because he refuses to stop preaching the gospel, but he did not allow this imprisonment to deter him from preaching the gospel or communicating with church leaders in churches that he had visited, that he had helped to plant. So what he did was he wrote them letters because he couldn't come see them, right? Just like we do with family members or loved ones. Sometimes we call those text messages or, <laughs> right? It's a lot faster today than it was back then. So he wrote them letters and he sent people out to go see them. Hey, hey, go, go check on this church, right? Oh, and hey, while you're there, take this letter that I wrote and tell the leaders to read the letter in the midst of the congregation. Uh, and thank God he did because now we have these beautiful letters which are now in, in our Bible. So uh, last week we looked at verses 12 through 17, uh, which boldly commanded us to do all things without grumbling or disputing. I know we have some, some teenagers in here and you just grumbled a little bit hearing that, so... Don't grumble, right? Do all things. That was easy math, right? 100%. 10 out of 10. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. And this week, we're going to look at um, really how, what does it look like when people live that out? They live that out. The, the goal to be different from the rest of the world, the goal to be all in with Jesus. Uh, what do these people look like and what do they do? And how do we, really, how do we celebrate them? So again, we're going to start reading in verse 18, if you have your phone or your Bible uh, ready right there, Philippians chapter 2, verse 18. It's a long passage, so bear with me. I'm going to try not to go super fast. Okay, here it is. 
Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that, I shortly, uh, that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So in verse uh, 17, just prior to this, right, uh, Paul tells his beloved uh, Philippian church that uh, in the case of, of his uh, death, that they, that they can rejoice because uh, of the righteousness of the members of the church in Philippi. And thus, like, he continues that in verse 18 by saying, yeah, and likewise, you know, we, we, should, we should be glad. And, and that seems like an odd statement, does it not? Right? If, if I die, you should rejoice and be glad. I mean, there's, I mean, I think there's sometimes that we have felt that way about people, right, if they die. But, you know, Paul wasn't like, he wasn't an enemy of the church. He was a, he was a dear friend, and he, the, the, the blatant point is he's not talking about his death. He's still talking about how close the Philippian church follows Jesus. He's rejoicing in that, right? He's saying, hey, uh, if, if I die uh, and you guys follow Jesus, it'll, be, it'll all be worth it. So he's not talking about himself. He's not talking about himself dying. He's talking about the fact that the church is, is following Jesus. So rejoice and be glad in your righteousness for righteousness' sake. And he says, also rejoice for I'm sending, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to send some wonderful people to you. Timothy is one of Paul's greatest disciples. And we even have two letters written to him specifically that wound up in our Bible. So what do we know about Timothy from this passage? We know a lot about Timothy throughout the New Testament because uh, we have bits and pieces here. We know about his, his, how his mother and his grandmother uh, raised him up in Christ. And, and that's why uh, now Paul says, well, he didn't really have a, a father in Jesus. So I've been like a father uh, to him and just how great uh, that is. Uh, but Paul says that he has no one like him. He says, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. And speaking about basically all the others, he says, they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So I, I am persuaded to believe from Scripture and what I have experienced in my life that this, this one attribute about genuinely caring about other people is one attribute that I can point to whether or not the Holy Spirit is working in your life. 
What the Holy Spirit does to you is that he, he makes you stop caring so much about yourself and caring about other people. So if you're saying, man, I, I want some more of that. I want to care more about other people and less about myself, then you got to pray for more of the Holy Spirit in your life. I can tell the way that you talk about other people, uh, the way that I talk about other people, whether or not I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to work through me. If we ever ask, you know, what's in it for me? Which is our natural inclination, right? Without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, that's what we're asking. What's in it for me? Hey, can you come over and do some work at my house? Sure, what's in it for me? Right, that's what we do naturally. Well, how much, how much are you gonna pay me? That's, that's what we do naturally. Without Jesus, that's who we are. So with Jesus, we say, okay, I would love to bless you and I'll do whatever it takes to make that happen. If this is what you need, I will bless you with my time. On the opposite side, when someone asks about, about others who they have no relationship with, if you say, hey, uh, you know, like, um, if my mother was sick or something and I told you about, hey, can you pray for my mom? She's sick. She's not. Love you, mom. You're not sick. Uh, she's watching my kids right now, so hopefully she's not sick. But, uh, you know... Uh, if I told you, I said, hey, my mom's sick, can you pray for her? And a week later, you come to me and you say, hey, how's your mom? She's still sick? That's, that's the Holy Spirit, right? He, he makes us care about people. He, I mean, you have almost no connection to my mom. My mom doesn't live here. Y'all basically barely know her for the, time, from the times that she shows up sometimes because she lives, you know, three and a half hours away. So when you say, hey, when you care about people that other people care about, so like, you know, third party, right? They're, they're so uh, distant from you relationship-wise, but you care about them because someone that you care about cares about them. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And I know that the Holy Spirit is working in and through you because I hear it in your words and I see it in your actions. When the Holy Spirit is allowed to take control of your life, you genuinely care for other people. That's what, he, that's what Paul tells us about Timothy. He's telling us that the Holy Spirit is just alive and working in Timothy, and he's so proud of him as a father is proud of his son who does amazing, wonderful things. Every day, Timothy is waking up and hitting spiritual home runs, and Paul's saying, I'm, I could not be prouder of him as, as a father to a son. The Holy Spirit of God will change the way that you see other people and will give you the ability to forgive them, to love them, and genuinely care about them, even if you've never met them. Sometimes it's hard for us because, you know, it seems like every organization is trying to get money from us to, I don't know, feed the hungry or, you know, you know give people medicine or whatever. And I just feel like I'm always bombarded. Like I could give, give more. There's more and more people. Are, there will always be more people that need my, my help. And you know, how do I choose like an organization that's not, like a, that's not fraudulent, that's not just going to steal my money? And, and you know, my wife and I, we, we partner with a place called Africa New Life uh, because we've been there. Catherine got to go there and see their headquarters and meet our kids that we sponsor. I got to go there meet our kids that we sponsor, the real kids in real schools, like, you know, real places. But that is what happens, again, it's only by the Holy Spirit that you will care about people that most of you will never meet or see, but you care about meeting their needs. 
So in, in Acts chapter 13, which if you didn't know the book of Acts, it's called like the Acts of the Apostles. It's, it's the beginning of the church, right? And they have no idea what they're doing. Did you know that? Kind of like, you know, kids with parents, like if, if you're sitting next to your mom and dad, your parents have no idea what they're doing, okay? There's a secret to you. Uh, every day we're like, we're just rolling the dice. Let's try this out. See if this happens. Like we have a big goal in mind, right? We, we know where we want to take our kids, which is for them to be alive. But as far as like, how do we, like, we've never experienced half these things before. We don't know what we're doing. And that's how the, the church is like, okay, we're trying to trust in the Holy Spirit. We're trying to let him lead us, but we've never planted a church before. We've never been missionaries before. We don't know how to do any of this. And so they're having this prayer session in Acts chapter uh, 13. And they're like, okay, uh, where should we go? So they get guided. They're guided by the Holy Spirit and they're sent uh, to a bunch of different places. And they, they wind up in a place called Antioch. So Paul and Barnabas, they preach the gospel in the synagogue there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it out loud, and if you're taking notes, you can come back to it later. So we're going to spend some time in Acts chapter 13. But this is Acts chapter 13, verse 43 and following. This is what it says. Uh, and after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. Afterwards, they, they begged Paul, they begged Paul and Barnabas to stay with them a week, teaching them uh, for them uh, so they could speak the following week in the synagogue, right? The synagogue's like, a, it's a Jewish church, right? They, they, met, uh, they still meet on, on Saturdays, what they considered the Sabbath. Uh, we changed the Sabbath to Sunday because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, so that's why we do that. And so it was a, a Jewish church and, th and they had people teach there. So they taught about Christ there and uh, it went really well. Uh, so much so that the whole, says the whole city heard about uh, this, this teaching. And the, then the following week, the whole city came and gathered, which meant that there were Jew and Gentile alike, which didn't happen very often. Uh, Paul and Barnabas used this opportunity to let the Jewish people know that while God still loved them, still chose them, he was also now choosing the whole world, which included the Gentiles, to be his people. And for most of the Jewish leaders, this was too much. So in verse 48, again, Acts 13, 48 says, and when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. And I wish that it stopped there in verse 49. But it doesn't. Verse 50. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city and stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they, meaning Paul and Barnabas, shook the dust off from their feet against them and went to Iconium and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So there are two groups of people in this passage from Acts chapter 13, right? This is from 43 through uh, 52. There are two groups of people. There are people who can rejoice in their own salvation and their own salvation alone. And there are people who can rejoice in everyone's salvation, regardless of their history. For the Gentiles in Acts chapter 13, they were overjoyed to receive salvation. 
No one had ever told them that, they, that, that God loved them, that they were chosen by God. And Paul and Barnabas, they're telling them, I know you guys have been waiting for this, but when Jesus died and he was buried and he was resurrected, he did that for you too. Not just for the Jewish people, but for everyone. And the Gentiles, they were so excited. And guess who the Gentiles are? Us. We're excited because God sees us. He cares about us. He died for us. But the Jewish leaders at the time, they were upset. Because in their minds, yeah, they didn't want to share the kingdom of God with all of those people. Us people. And one of the greatest detriments to our faith throughout history has been the fact that we, as the Gentiles now, have chosen who's us and who's them at times in our history. Now, praise God, we're done with that, right? We're not going to choose us and them. It's everybody. We're done with that. Our history and that way is over because you can either be a person who was excited and a participant in the salvation of all people or you can be a person who is excited about your salvation and yours alone. If you choose to genuinely care about others as Timothy did, you will be powered by the Holy Spirit and sent out into the world. The world is seeking for answers that are only found in the Bible, that are only found in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in, the same, in a lot of ways, it's the same world that they were experiencing 2,000 years ago. Paul and Barnabas were, were meeting with the church at Antioch and its leaders. So the, again, this is in Acts chapter 13. We're still there. And in verse 2, uh, this is how they decided where to go. Um, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. The truth of the church is that the world seeks and we send. They seek, we send. That was the mentality of the church 2,000 years ago, and that's our mentality now. I need to take a moment and talk about the legacy that Redwood Christian Church has. Some of you are pretty new here and you don't know. Some of you have been coming here for 85 years, and you know the whole history because you made that history happen. Um, I know sometimes it hurts because it feels like we sent out some of our best, but I assure you it is better to send out and rejoice than to be bitter about leaders leaving regardless of the reason why they left. So the impact leaders and members who formerly attended this church have seeks far more, I think, than you could ever realize or understand or know or believe. Think about Bob Friend, Bob Wood, Daniel Baker. Kristen Daniels, Annabelle Dollarhide, who's now Annabelle Pounds, uh, Kristen Badker, who's now DeForest, right? Pastors, ministry leaders, pastors' wives serving in the church. I was so amazed at the reach this small church in Grants Pass has had on the whole world. When you think about how, how does, you know, how do we spread the gospel faster we got to send more people out to more places. And in some ways, it is sad because you lose family, you lose people that you love, you lose that, that impact that you had, that they had on your life. 
But I pray that our attitude will always be that of ascending church who rejoices in the work being done worldwide and not that of a bitter church who wishes they were still here and never left. Sometimes it, it, it hurts when people leave the church. It hurts sometimes because sometimes they don't leave well. Is that correct? Is that a correct statement? Sometimes we haven't left churches well, if we're being honest with ourselves. But let us rejoice, regardless of the reason why, praying that their impact will be greater now. Thus, our impact will be greater as we send them out. So today, I want to celebrate what kind of church we have been and what kind of church we will be in the future. You, you all who are still here, you invested in these men and women who are faithfully serving all over Oregon, California, Washington, and even the whole world. And I just want to say thank you for having a legacy of being ascending church. That is your legacy. How many pastors and pastors' wives are serving at countless churches that have come from Redwood Christian Church? So thank you for being that church, and we are going to continue that legacy, uh, and I pray that when, it, when the time comes and we send uh, members out to do great and amazing things, that we will do so with love, with finances, with prayers. We will send them out to reach the whole world for Christ. I pray that that will be our goal. Okay, so getting back to our main passage in Philippians chapter 2, Paul tells the church about uh, Epaphroditus' health, right? He says, uh, well, this guy, he almost died, but he's not dead, so I'm going to send him back to you so you can see that he's not dead and things are great Uh, because they were worried. They were worried about, uh, about his health. And this is what he tells the, the, the church. So we're going to pick up in, in verse 29. So Philippians 2, verse 29. I'll give you five seconds to get there. This is what he tells them. So this is speaking about Epaphroditus. He says, Receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. Honor such men. Honor such men. Well, and, and women, obviously. Sometimes we don't do the best job of honoring such men. I mean, we, they're hardworking and selfless. They promote the church and not themselves. They, they give of their time and, and energy and resources. And my encouragement to everyone who can hear this message is to honor those whom you see going above and beyond. When your spouse does, does the extra, whatever that is, in this stage of life for Catherine and I, it's you know, preparing a lunch for the other person or uh, washing you know, the 20th pair of clothes for the kids that day or you know, taking apart their, their bedding and, and washing it and drying it and trying to get it put back on the bed before bedtime while All the other chores are still happening. When your spouse does the extra, honor your spouse, whatever that looks like in your life. Or if you're still at work, which most of us are are still working, when you see a coworker that goes above and beyond, honor them. Tell them that you see what's what's going on. Uh, Give them a card. Do whatever you can to to honor those people. When you're in the church and and you see that there's, there's people that just, you can't even explain it. You're just like, man, you're always here. You're always doing something. You're amazing. Thank you so much uh, for serving the church so well, going the extra mile. 
And we as church leaders, we want to honor those people that, that we see going and serving that way. And we believe that it is time to instate deacons and deaconesses. And we're giving them these titles uh, because they're people that don't seek to have titles. Right? Jesus told us that. He said, hey, uh, don't be people that seek out titles to have power over people. And so the people that we're going to give these titles to are people that would never ask for them themselves. We are also honored that we're going to be calling someone to join our eldership. And I pray when that time comes that you will honor this man as he has honored us. And if you have any questions or concerns about why we are doing this, please reach out to us, the elders, via email or phone or simply call the office. Mish would love to talk to you. Having said that, our office is going to be vacant Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday this week. Call the office all you want. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, seriously though, we, we want to be a church that recognizes and honors people. And we will do so. And I pray that you guys will all be on board as you honor the elders and you honor these, these people that we uh, really give these titles to. They're not going to be called to do anything extra than what they're doing. They're just, we're just giving, we're just letting them know that we see what they've done and what they're doing and, uh, and are praying for them and are excited to invite them into those leadership uh, titles. Okay, um, that's the end of the message for today, so thank you. Uh, no, I wanted to take a moment here at the end of the message because I'm a pastor and I got I to gotta do at least two or three sermons in one. Okay, um, I wanted to talk about something. We talked about it as, as elders, and I want to do so in a way you need to understand that, okay, so there is legalism and liberalism with the Bible. Legalism says every, every single word in the Bible, we will follow, we will do, and anyone who doesn't do it is going to hell, and we hate them, right? And then liberalism says, eh, do whatever you want, right? Uh, you know, God's real. He loves you. Be whoever you are. Do whatever you want. And it's just kind of out there. Well, we want to be like in the middle, right? Where it's just, we're, we're bound by scripture, but at the same time, we want, we want to do things the early church did, and we want to do it in the way that they did it, but we don't want you to feel like there's a bunch of rules or stuff like that. And I, and I understand that uh, for years, there's been this conflict of, of baptism, Right? Why do we do it? Who are we? Why, why does this church talk about it all the time? Uh, and the elders and I want you to know exactly where the church stands on baptism. So I have four points if you're taking notes on baptism. If you're taking notes. Uh, the first is that it is commanded by Jesus himself, by his actions and his words. Jesus got baptized. It's, it's a really funny interaction too when you read about it. Because John the baptizer, John the Baptist, he's baptizing people. Uh, and it says he's preparing the way of the Lord. He's getting them ready for Jesus. They're super excited. And so Jesus comes to John the Baptist, who's his cousin, and he goes, hey, um, I need you to baptize me. And John's like, what? <laughs> no way. You should be baptizing me. It's like, I, I'm not even worthy to touch your sandals. And, and Jesus is like, no, I need to do this. I need to teach the people that this is important for them. So Jesus showed us by his actions and his words uh, that baptism was important. And so uh, it's, it's written in all four Gospels, but the most simplest is the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 9, if you're taking notes. And Jesus commanded us to baptize others, and that's in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. We call it the Great uh, Commission. It's, you know, most Christian church, Church of Christ. Churches have that uh, plastered in a bunch of different places, you know, which says go 
baptize people, teaching them to obey all the things that I've commanded you, and I will be with you always. Okay, uh, that's number one. Jesus commanded by his actions and words uh, to be baptized and to baptize others. Number two, uh, it is inextricably linked with salvation in the Bible. So again, if you're taking notes, you got 1 Peter 3, verses 21 and 22. you got Acts 2, 38, Acts 22, 16, Romans 6, 4, Colossians 2, 11 through 14. I know I just spouted off a lot of passages. You can have my notes later if you want, but the whole point is it's in there a lot, okay? It's in there a lot. That's number two. It's inextricably linked with salvation. Number three, every conversion in the book of Acts, the person gets baptized, Sometimes they, it says that they profess Christ. Sometimes it says they receive the Holy Spirit. But every single one, they are baptized. Usually their whole families too, which is really cool. Okay? Uh, Acts 2.41, Acts 8.12-16, Acts 8.36-38, Acts 9.18, Acts 10.47-48, Acts 16.15, Acts 16.33, Acts 18.8, Acts 19.5. Right, again, you can have my notes later, but the whole point is every single one, right? Every single one. We talked about doing the math last week. 10 out of 10, right? Every single one, they get baptized. Am I being clear on this? Okay. In spite, in spite of one through three, we do not condemn anyone who doesn't believe what we believe. That's not our job. It's not our job. Matthew 7, 1, right? We say judge not so that you will not be judged. Uh, the word there is really condemn. Don't condemn others. That's not our job. Jesus even said that wasn't his job. He said he came to the world to save the world. Now we know that in the end times that Jesus is the one he's sitting on the throne and he gets to choose those things. So our job as people uh, who are trying to lead people to the truth of the Bible is to lead them to Christ so that he can judge them, not so that we can. So people that have perished before they got baptized, we would never say that they're going to hell. That's, that's not who we are. And I'm sorry if, if this, this conversation has hurt you in the past. I know that it has times has caused division because people were so argumentative. But the one thing that we believe that you cannot separate is that every time in the book of Acts someone comes to faith, they get baptized. Jesus got baptized and told us to baptize people. So what are we going to do as a church? Yeah. Is it, you know, linked with salvation? Yeah. Are we going to say that anyone who doesn't get baptized goes to hell? No. But it is commanded, so we will do it. Does that make sense? We don't want to be legalistic. We don't want to be liberal. We want to be in the middle. I think that's where Christ lives. So to put it plainly, everyone who believes in Jesus should be baptized. But we'll never condemn someone who isn't. Uh, however, if you know that God has commanded you to be baptized and you don't, why would you ever disobey him? If you know that God has told you, point blank, do this, and you choose not to do it, why? He's God. He gets to make the rules. He gets to tell you what to do. You got two options, which is obey him or disobey him, and that's it. And so we want to be a church. That's why we require it for membership. We want to be a church who follows what Jesus commands us to do. I'm going to call the, the worship team back up here. And uh, usually I like to have like a big party when we have uh, baptisms. 
but we're going to have a couple today in the river. <laughs> Are you excited? Yeah, I'm excited about that. These people have said, hey, uh, we want to obey Christ, and we love the river, and so we're going to get baptized there, and I think that's great. If you are a person who believes and follows Jesus and you've never been baptized, what better day than today? So if you want to know the information, we will tell you uh, where it's going to happen about 1.30 today. Uh, just come talk to me or, or one of the elders, and we, will, we would love to have that conversation with you. Um, you know that old uh, Snickers commercial, The Hungry, Why Wait? So I want to change that for Jesus. Obey, why wait, right? Obey, why wait? Uh, the, I, I do want to say this. The oldest uh, lady that I've seen get baptized, she was 92 years old. So if you feel, well, I'm kind of embarrassed. I've been coming to church for a long time and I just haven't gotten baptized yet. It's, you're never too old. It's never too late. So get baptized. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to eat some ice cream over here in the multi-purpose room. So I'm excited about that. We're going to eat ice cream together. We're going to sing a, another song together. We're going to pass the offering plate. Uh, I would love to, to pray with us. And uh, then we'll, we'll close service shortly. So Father, we're just people that we want to be obedient to all things that you say. We want to do all things without grumbling. God, as the world seeks you out, God, send us out and help us to remember and believe that it all starts with obedience. So God, whatever it is that you have asked us to do, help us to obey. Father, we ask all these things and all God's people said, amen. amen. amen.